two things. First of all, if you're new to the church, you can be seated. Even if you're not new to the church, you can be seated. If you're new to the church, you're not on the church app. We would ask you, uh, Sister Barrow can meet you in the foyer after the service this morning or this afternoon and help you get on that app. You need to be on the church app to get a lot of information and things that are going on. You notice that the prayer list looks differently on the screen. Only one week's worth of prayer requests will be on the screen. The rest of them will be on your app for a month. Then they will fall off unless you request for them to stay on. Uh, that allows us to focus more on the immediate uh, recent needs uh, here at church. And you can pray, should be praying every day over the needs that are represented uh, more widely. That's on your church app. Again, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, don't sweat it. You can learn about it after service, and Sister Barra will help you with that. The second thing I want to ask you is uh, when the pastor is up preaching, or for that matter, anybody is up preaching, I'd like to ask you to limit our uh, going in and out of the service. I, I feel like it's time to pull up around the table when the Word of God is being preached. I will tell you the most important word you will hear, hear today most likely will be coming across this pulpit. And you you don't need to miss one syllable and you don't need to miss one point. Uh, I'm not going to try to sound like a chiding father, but I will maybe sound like a griping pastor for just a second and tell you that we need the word of God. Amen. So if you want mints, grab a handful of mints on your way in. Don't be running out there to the foyer in the middle of my preaching to grab mints. Get your business done before church. Get in here and stay in the service. Unless, and Abby, if you get up to leave, we understand, all right? Abby's back there in, having contractions, all right? We'll excuse you and maybe you're a couple of people to go with you. Only two. Only two people may leave with you to go have that baby. All right. So other than that, is that all right? Need to be reminded of that every once in a while. I think we can do this. I want to ask you to go with me to Matthew, the sixth chapter today. And if you would, grab your Bibles and let's stand once again as we read the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9 and verse number 10. I know that we have come to know this portion of Scripture as the Lord's Prayer. Um, technically, I think that is a misnomer. For I do not believe the Lord would ever need to pray for forgiveness. And the element of repentance is in that prayer. And I don't think the Lord ever prays for repentance. And I think more correctly it could be termed the disciples prayer. It is the Lord showing us as his disciples how we should pray. And in verse number 9, and we'll only look at a couple of verses. Number 9, after this manner Jesus says, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want to preach to you this morning for a few minutes on thy will be done. Put your Bibles down if you would and reach up to heaven. Would you really ask the Lord to speak into your lives today? Father, we need to hear from heaven. We need to hear from your word. <clears throat> I pray you'd anoint me to preach the word you've given me to Speak to your sweet people today. I pray, God, you would open our hearts and our ears and let us receive what you have for us. In the word of God this morning, your anointing flow in this place. And we bind every spirit that would try to distract, hinder, and we loose a spirit of fertile soil to absorb the seed of your word. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're in agreement, say amen, and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Our God spoke, let there be, and the world, think of it, came into existence. At his word, the universe and all that is in it came to be. He knows all things. He fills all space. He has all power. And yet, as almighty and as all-powerful and as omnipotent as our God is, when the Lord demonstrated for us the wonderful model of prayer that we just read part of, the example of how the created is to communicate with the Creator, included in that example we are instructed to pray His kingdom and His will into existence, into this world as it is in heaven. It is a powerful 
revelation in the midst of a powerful instruction that if his will and if his kingdom are to come into this world, then we, his disciples, must pray it in. Think of it, that the God, the almighty God of all creation, who can simply speak and the stars exist and the moon exists and the earth exists and all that is in it exists, will, will relegate himself to his will being performed in this earth only if we, his people, pray it in. I pause to remind us this morning that on the day of Pentecost, and we celebrate today Pentecost Sunday, that on the day of Pentecost, that, that sound, the, those, the, that sound of a rushing mighty wind, those signs, the cloven tongues as of fire that set up on each of them, the Holy Ghost that filled all the room where they were sitting and then all the people that were in the room. I would remind you that it did not just happen. For in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, we read that where Jesus in Acts 1 tells them to go to Jerusalem and there they are to tarry for the Holy Ghost is what he's telling them to tarry for. They don't know what the Holy Ghost is. They've never experienced the Holy Ghost, but all they know is to go and to wait. And so in, in chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says their response to Jesus' instruction was, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Look at verse 13. When they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, the brother of James. These all continued. Watch this in verse 14. These all continued with one accord. Everybody say one accord. One accord. It means one purpose. One accord. It means one mind. One accord. They all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And then Acts chapter 2, we read there that glorious account of the inaugural day of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Brother Deckard, it was a powerful thing, was it not? A supernatural move of God. And so Acts chapter 2 was the supernatural result of God's people getting together, coming together, praying together, believing together, worshiping together in one accord, in one mind, for one purpose. They worshiped, they prayed, they expected, and Acts chapter 2 did not just happen. It happened as a result of God's people praying it into existence. Somebody clap your hands and somebody shout amen. They came together in one accord and they prayed and they supplicated. That means they earnestly petitioned God. What did they ask for? You say, well, they didn't know exactly what to pray. But I believe they were praying, thy will be done. So let me say this. What? What? What gets in our way? What gets in our way of praying for and submitting to thy will be done? And to answer that, let's look to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane where he's coming down to his final hours. Now before he's to be crucified and he goes there and we see God, man and God uh, in, in flesh, we see the deity and we see the humanity. If we ever see humanity in Jesus revealed, we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane where he goes to pray and to get this thing settled in his human nature. And he went, uh, the Bible says in verse 33, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went a little further and, and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, Father, here we have it. We have the, the, the humanity of Jesus Praying to the deity of Jesus. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, 
but as thou wilt. Verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. In order for his will to be done, our will must die. The second wing to praying thy will be done is to pray not as I will. Your will, my will will get in the way every single time. You said it earlier, brother. We've got to just get lost in the Lord. We've got to let him consume everything. Everything that's not like him and, and, and everything in us that's not like him is like you. And, and please, don't, I know we try to make this Garden of Gethsemane showdown about Jesus and Satan. But I'm going to tell you right now, Satan was not there in the Garden of Gethsemane trying to talk Jesus out of going to the cross. Satan wanted him on that cross. So it wasn't a battle between Jesus and the devil. This was a battle of wills. This was a battle between the will of his flesh and the will of his father. And they were in a wrestling match in the garden of Gethsemane. And the devil didn't have to do a thing in the garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to tell you we blame things on the devil that he has nothing to do with. It's just our will getting in the way of God's will. And until God's people fall on our face and say, God, let my will die and thy will be done. We cast the devil out in two seconds, but we got to deal with this whole will of our flesh forever. You blame it on the devil, and it's not always the devil. He'll take credit for it. He loves to get credit for all your misdoings. But I'm going to tell you most of the time, it's not even the devil. Because we understand that our apostolic authority, all we have to do, we talk about it all the time. I preach it almost weekly, that if we bind the devil, he has to flee. If we resist the devil, he has to flee, and he does. But we're left with this battle of wills. Tyler, I really, I, could, I don't know, I need a little more monitor or something. I'm not going to have enough voice for the next service. It's a battle of the wills. It's a battle of the wills. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You you can't be self-minded and kingdom-minded at the same time. You cannot be self-willed and thy willed at the same time. So we've got to get to the point where Jesus arrived where we get in our prayer life to nevertheless 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 and not as i will because my will will get in the way but nevertheless there's god if there's any way if there's any way jesus is dealing with this he understands the sins of the world are coming upon him he's going to be marched to the cross and he understands what he's getting ready to go through it's seeking into the humanity and he says if there's any other way let's go that route but he has to say nevertheless not as i will and we've got to get there not as i will not my will but thy will be done Garden of Gethsemane wasn't a battle between Jesus and Satan. The devil wanted him dead, wanted him on the cross. The Garden of Gethsemane was a battle of wills. My will versus thy will. John the Baptist, in John chapter 3, verse 26. You can see it on the screen. But this is is John's attitude towards Jesus. John came to pave the way. For the ministry of Jesus. His entire ministry was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Get ready. He's right behind me. And then one day he gets quite a following. And, 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 and he's getting some fame. And he's getting some not- notoriety. And then one day everything he said was coming came. And so he had to say, okay, now what do I do now? It's a, it's a shifting time. It's a time of transformation. Now my ministry is not the same now that Jesus is here because my whole ministry has been predicated on the fact that he's coming and now he's here. And so here we get this interesting little, uh, little story here in, in John chapter 3 where John's disciples who were very loyal and very faithful to him 
they were very devoted to John. They, they, they see this stuff going. They see this shift. They don't understand the shift, but they see the shift. And they start coming to John saying, this is uncomfortable for us because we've sold out to you. We believe in you. Now, they amened his message about the one that, I'm, the, the one that's, uh, whose shoes I'm not worthy to, 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 to latch up. He's coming. They received that, but they really, they were devoted to John. So when other people start showing up about Jesus, they feel a little weird about that. So they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. And John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. I want you to notice John's, his, his demeanor here. So humble. Now watch John. John. John says, and this is Jesus here, but watch in a minute here. We're going to get to John. He says, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not, I am not the Christ. John says in verse 28 rather, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but he that sent before him. He's talking about Jesus. He says, I told you I'm not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He said, look, don't lose, don't lose sight of my whole role in this thing. I'm not the bridegroom. I just stand beside him. I'm not the Messiah. I just came to prepare the way for him. Love it. Look at 30. He says, here's where we are right now. He says, so you understand, he must increase. You're going to see more and more of Jesus. You're going to see more and more of his disciples baptizing people and not me. I will, my following will begin to dwindle. My popularity will begin to fade. I don't know if he understood exactly where he was going to end up at that moment. I'm sure he didn't. But he says right now, he's got to increase. I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. I've got to, I've got to decrease. I'm telling you, that is the work that we have before us. That is the prayer we must pray every day. God, you've got to increase. And I've got to decrease. It's all about you. And it's not about me. Thy will be done. Let my will die. You increase. And I decrease. Decrease. Somebody shout amen. amen. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly. He speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. No, don't be upset that Jesus is baptizing people. It's all in his plan. I understand. It's all cool. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Wow! John Baptist has it in perspective. But, 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 oh, you know, I did skip over a verse. Before all of this, verse 24 says, by the way, John was not yet cast into prison. My point is, it's one thing to say, oh, thy will be done. Oh, yes, Lord. And then to say, not my will. Your will dying can be really rough stuff. It's easy to amen what I'm preaching today. Tough to live it. You know what your flesh wants? It's a trick question. The answer is simple. <laughs> Brother Vest, your flesh wants what your flesh wants. Isn't that deep? <laughs> it's really deep. It wants what it wants. It wants something one today, and it wants something different. Tomorrow, today, you're all about getting a new house. And next week, you're all about getting a new car. Next year, you'll be all about getting a new job. And then you'll be wanting, oh, I think I want to move to another state. And, oh, I think I want, I want to marry this person. No, I want to marry that person. No, I think I want kids. No, I, I don't. Get a couple. I don't want kids. No, no I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> Your flesh wants, wants what it wants. Your flesh wants 
wants what it wants, and it just rises up. You don't have to nurture it. It just rises up. You don't have to baby it. It just rises up. You don't have to feed it. It just rises up. It's just there. It's like the. It's like the. It's just like the the weeds. Those those weeds that just you, you, you spray them today, and in a few weeks, you know, you know, you gotta water the flowers and 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 and, and nurture the flowers and fertilize the flowers, and you hope they grow, and you gotta do that all over again, or they start to wilt. But those weeds, you kill them today. They come back in a few weeks. That is your flesh. That is your will. And your will wants what it wants. It'll change on you. It's fickle. Three years ago, there were people who would never have missed the house of God. Three years later, here we are, people that you never thought you would have to try to pray them into the house of God. They just don't want to be in the house of God. Flesh, my will, your will changes, it shifts. John says, oh yeah, no, no problem, no problem. I know Jesus, his disciples baptize the people. I know he's getting a falling. That's what it's all about. That's why I'm here. I'm here to pave the way. Not my will, thy will. I must decrease. He must increase. But that was before he was in prison. And then the will of God starts being done. Not my will, thy will. I will decrease, you increase. His decrease took him into a prison. And in the prison, his will, his flesh, his ego, it's dead here, but it resurrects in the prison. In the prison, he starts remembering Brother Branham. In the prison where nobody's visiting him, by the way, and, and, and all he's getting is prison food, and the only faces he sees are those of the guards. In the prison, he starts to remember. His mind goes back to a few days ago when he was standing up there in the pulpit preaching, and everybody was amening, saying, John, you the man. John, can we get you anything? How you doing today, John? John, here, bodyguards on each side of him, walking him around. He's eating honey and locusts and, you know, just having a great day and everything's good but now he's in the prison and he keeps hearing little buzzes about Jesus got a following. Jesus got these disciples. Jesus got multitudes. Jesus, 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 Jesus. What about John? He doesn't say it that way. But we see it creeping out of the prison through his servants when he says to them go ask him. Wait a minute. You, you talked about that man a few days ago. You said he was the man? <laughs> Yeah, I want you to go ask him, is he really the man? Because this feels really, really hard. These chains are really heavy. Our will dying feels like death because it is. You know why fasting isn't fun? Because it's fasting. <laughs> it's more fun to go to Cracker Barrel than it is to fast. It tastes better. It feels better. Your flesh, what happens when you fast? Your stomach starts talking to you. Idiot. Eat. What are you doing? Growling. We call it stomach growling for a reason. It's growling. What are you doing to me? Your flesh doesn't want to die. Your will wants to live. And it'll fight when, when you say, God, I want to decrease. And he says, okay, let me take you through some things that will decrease Zach. And Zach, who on Sunday was saying, oh, yes, let me decrease because I want you to increase. And you end up in the prison. And Zach says, uh, wait a minute here. Stomach growls. Flesh growls. And it sounds like this. Are you the one or do we look for another? I have always loved Jesus' response to John because I'm going to be honest with you and I'm honest enough to admit that I have been in John's position more than a few times where I have had to question the Lord. What I amend on Sunday, I questioned on Monday. 
And I'm so thankful that Jesus did not chastise John. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't say, he says, what? He asking, what? Well, let's go down there. I'll set him straight right now. I'll tell him. I'll go down there and do some miracles right in front of him. I'll prove how dare he. Jesus doesn't do any of that. In fact, Jesus' response is very poised. <laughs> he says, uh, so, so in, in, in 11, uh, uh, chapter 11, Matthew 2, uh, when John heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples said, Are you the one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go show John again those things which you do hear and see. Tell him about the blind receiving their sight and the lame walking and the lepers being cleansed and the deaf ears hearing and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Tell, in other words, you tell him the kingdom is here. Comfort him that he is submitted to the right thing. Catch this. Because souls are being saved. Ladies and gentlemen, I just really hit the crux of my message right there. If you don't catch anything else, I hope you catch that. When I said souls are being saved. You want to know what the will of the Father is? You look at his mission. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It is not his will that any perish, but that all would have everlasting life. That is the will. What is the will of our Father? His will is souls being saved, souls being delivered, souls being snatched out of the very flames of hell and put on their way to heaven. And if you don't catch that, you will miss the whole point of this Christian walk. Somebody shout souls. I want everybody in the building to shout it out. Souls. Come on, we're here for souls. We're serving God for souls. We're working in ministry for souls. We're doing everything we do for souls to be saved that maybe one soul might be saved. Somebody back there in that corner, shout amen. Ah, somebody back there in that corner, shout amen. Oh, that sounds good. Do that every once in a while. And, and y'all can jump up every once in a while in your seats too. Join the rest of us, all right? If you don't jump up when everybody else does, I, I think you don't believe what I'm preaching. And I'll take another half hour to convince you. We all want to go eat lunch. Come on, come on. That's right, sister. Souls, 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 souls. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just cut a half hour off of my sermon. Thank you. Yes, that's right. It's all about souls. You can be seated. Tell him, tell him, tell him souls are being saved. The book, the, there's a beautiful, beautiful story in the middle of the Bible about a woman by the name of Esther. We don't preach about Esther very much, but it's a good story. It's about a, a woman. I'll give you a very, very, very short synoptic overview of the book of Esther about a young lady who is in exile. Her, her story is written time during a time of, of, of uh, punitive exile on God's people. They're in a foreign land, and, uh, and, and she's being raised by her older cousin, and it's a sad story. She's orphaned at a young age, and her name is really not Esther, but that's the name she was given there, and so that's what we call her. And, and uh, as she, she's there during a time when the king, uh, his, his, his queen, just was somewhat rebellious, and as a result of her being rebellious, he just put her aside and said, I'll find another queen. And so the search 
began. The search began for a new queen. It was really a a kind of an ugly system that they use. He would bring women in. They would have a time of purification and friend beauty and uh, beautifying themselves and all these things. And he would bring in these virgins and he would he would just trying out ladies. He'd say, well, that's not the one. He'd just throw them in the, uh, to his uh, band of concubines, used and abused. And they, would, they, would get, they didn't get to be the queen. They didn't get to be the wife. They were just one of his women. And so he was doing that one after the other. And this, the story is about Esther that she became one of the women who were in that, uh, in that group of women that were going to be tried out to be the next queen. It's a beautiful story because Esther doesn't ask for all the other things that the other women ask for to, to, purify, or to beautify themselves. She just, I'll go before the king in my natural beauty. There's a beautiful story there and some imagery there. But she's brought in before the king. And the king just, uh, oh, the Bible says he was just moved. The Bible says Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred in verse 10, Esther 2. For Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women. House. So here, here the king has found Mordecai, or the, the, the king has, has, has taken notice of Esther and makes her the queen. And Mordecai, I said, don't tell him who, where you're from and don't tell him of what people you are because she was a Jew. And, and this, this is really a story of a woman really um, stopping, we could say, the first Holocaust because these people, they're going to wipe out the Jewish race there are people who are sneaking around deciding to wipe out her people and so Mordecai her her cousin uh, who was who had raised her said don't tell the king who you are and so Esther was taken unto king, the king into his house royal in the 10th month which is the 10th month David in the seventh year of his reign verse 17 the king loved Esther above all the women and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Would you bring chapter 4 up? Mordecai gets word of this devious plot to kill his people and also Esther's people. He, he, he perceived all that was done. He rent his clothes. He put on sackcloth and ashes. Go ahead to verse 2. He came even before the king's gate. That, uh, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's commandments and his decree came, there was great mourning ab among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. And then was, was the queen, of course, exceedingly grieved. She sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him. But he would not receive that. Then called Esther for uh, Hatech, uh, one of the king's chamberlains, who he appointed to attend upon her and gave him commandments. So I want you to go and I want you to talk to Mordecai. Verse number 6. So he went to Mordecai under the street of the city, which was before the king gate told him, Mordecai told them of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised. This is the man who's devising this terrible plot to kill God's people. Had promised to pay to the king's treasures for the Jews to destroy them. He gave him the copy of the writing of the decree and and uh, it was given to Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther. Said, here, go show Esther what's going on out here on the streets, getting ready to happen to her and her people. And so Hatach came and told Esther the words. Again, Esther spake unto Hatach and gave him commandment uh, unto, uh, unto Mordecai and the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces. Uh, do know that whatsoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king in her court. She said, do you know that whoever comes before the king, if, if they are not invited, if he doesn't raise that royal golden scepter, they just going to die. That's me too. You want me to go in before the king and make intercession for our people, but I could die just as easily as he sits there and doesn't move. Go ahead. She said, I haven't been called into the king. Go to verse 12. I haven't been called into the king for many days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. <laughs> this is before texting. Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. Listen, you, don't you think, don't you think with yourself 
Don't let that self-will get in your way. And think that you're going to escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. If that's what you're thinking, if you think you're safe there, you're mistaken. For if thou altogether hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. God will take care of us some way or another, but we're going to die here. And who knows? I love this. Who knows, Esther? Maybe you're called to the kingdom. Oh, God. Maybe you're not there to be the queen. Maybe you're not there to get glory. Maybe you're not there just for ease. Maybe you're not there just to be happy and look pretty and be proper and to be served. Maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this to save many souls maybe it's about souls maybe you didn't come to the kingdom just to get a ticket to heaven and, and come into a nice church building every week and wear your nice clothes and sing a few songs and feel good about being in the presence of God that's all wonderful and that's all good and I'm all about all of that but I'm telling you you did not come to the kingdom just to come to church you're in the kingdom to save souls and your will has to die and your flesh has to die and he must increase and we must decrease for it to happen oh, I wish you'd clap your hands mightily to the Lord Somebody shout, yes, I've got to die. He's got to reign. <laughs> Esther said, all right, go back to Mordecai with this answer in verse number 16. So she says, gather together all the Jews. You've convinced me. But I'm not going to do this just willy-nilly. Is that a phrase anymore? I'm not just going to go in there just because you want me to. You're going to do your part too. For his kingdom to thrive, for his will to be done. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it's going to take prayer. It's going to take supplication. It's going to take fasting. She says, you get everybody together and you fast for me. Don't you ask me to go in there and not pray and fast for me. So you get everybody together. Don't you eat. Don't you drink for three days, night or day. And I and all my maidens will do the same thing. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, by the way. And not my will, but thy will. If I go to prison, I go to prison. If I go to the Garden of Gethsemane and have to take up a cross, I take up a cross. If I go before the king and he just sits there and my head leaves my body, then if I perish, I perish. But I'll go down for the cause of the kingdom of God. And I'll go down praying for souls and reaching for souls and living for souls. It's all about souls. It's all about souls. It's all about souls. And Esther said, okay, if it's about the souls of my people, then if I perish, I perish. Let my will die and thy will be done. Music's going to come. Go ahead and come if you would, music. Catch this. Esther reached a point where, I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's no longer about being pretty. No longer about being proper and cute. You want to know one of the biggest battles we fight in this modern day apostolic church? It's going to sound like a conflicting um, uh, notion, but stay with me here. I don't, I don't wish us back to days when we didn't have air conditioning. You know what? We'd probably run about 20 people if we were the only apostolic church around here that had no air conditioning. Right? 
But I remember those days. I, I first started coming to church here when I was 17 years old. The, the, the other building, we didn't have air when I first came. That air conditioning was, that was, that was high fluting. Is that a still term, high fluting? <laughs> i got to get me a modern uh, term dictionary. Churches that, that you went to church, they had the windows open. We had a big giant fan in the back of the building. You, they turned it on and you held on to your children. Or they'd go flying through the church. That's why we had these leather, these bound songbooks and not these flimsy um, pages of paper. Because when you turn the fan on, these stayed put. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you are, that's right, bless God. We need to go back to the songbooks, bless God, yes. They stayed put. <laughs> Why did I bring that up here? So these didn't move in the wind circle. That's not my message, okay. I don't wish us back to those days. I like air conditioning. I'm spoiled anymore. I, I go somewhere, they don't have air, and I'm like, why don't you have air? I get in a car. I want you to turn the air on. If you don't have air, I ain't riding with No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go back a little farther than that day, and um, we didn't even have nice buildings at all. And they, they preached, and they were hated, and, 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 and people throwing rotten fruit at them as they would stand out and preach one God and the Holy Ghost and, 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 and repentance. And people, they, were, they were not loved, and they were not accepted. We can go leave here in a few minutes. We'll go into the restaurants in town, and other Christians will sit there and, and eat, and they'll look at us, and they'll wave at us, and they'll say, you have a good service, and we'll talk with other Christian people. And it wasn't that day, not in our great-grandfather's day. They were not accepted. They were not received. But those people prayed, and it was about the will of God. There was no... There was, there were, it was before air conditioning, it was before nice buildings, it was before the lights, it was before drum cages, it was before ele electric amplification. We just didn't have it. You might have an accordion and a guitar, and if they could play three chords, you were blessed. You didn't have praise singers. You're, you're, you're the harmony, you're the, you're the alto, well, you're the tenor, well, you're the lead. Well, you, they, they just came somebody, sister so-and-so, you want to lead song service? She couldn't even sing. Couldn't even keep a beat. But she'd get up and say, turn to page 23. And she'd beat on the pulpit. She'd start wailing out a tune. You know what happened? God moved. Holy Ghost moved. Because they weren't there to look pretty. They were there to save some souls. They were there to be proper. They were there just to have a move of God. And if you can come to church to have a move of God, you don't have to have all the stuff. Whether you got it or you don't. It might be hot. It might be cold. It might be loud. It might be quiet. But if we've got the Holy Ghost, that's all that really matters. It wasn't about being pretty or cute anymore. It was about saving souls. And so I would rise on this Pentecost Sunday to warn us. Hear me. Hear your pastor. I warn us against the spirit that would attempt to make us more concerned with being aesthetically appealing than we are being apostolic. And I am all for doing things well and with excellence. And in case you're wondering, yes, I these lights that are up here, they're up here because I want them up here. That's not a heaven or hell thing. And if you can't have church because there's a few lights splashed on the wall, you need to pray through. Stuff we make issues of anymore is nonsense. Well, I'm not going to go to that church. They have lights. Well, you, 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 you're not going to go to heaven with that spirit anyway. I'm not going there because they sing new songs. I'm not going there because they sing old songs. I'm not going there because they got... You wouldn't, you wouldn't have went to church 30 years ago because they got air conditioning because that was pretty progressive back then. So get over yourself. That's not, that has nothing to do with souls. We're going to do what we can within the confines of the Word of God to reach every soul. Amen. I just say that because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. But we better not be more concerned... If it's between us having good lights and you praying, let the lights burn out. If it's between us having good harmony and you praying, forget the harmony, forget the practice and pray. If it's between you knowing every note to hit and all the fancy little licks and you praying, forget it. Learn three chords 
and pray. You get what I'm saying, brother? You get what I'm saying? 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 Well, I can't go to church. I don't have anything nice to wear. Put your overalls on and get to church. I can't go to church. My air conditioning's not working in my car. Put on your short sleeves. Open your windows. Take a shower. Put on extra deodorant. Get to church. This isn't about all that stuff. This is my point. It's not about all this stuff that if we're not careful, we make it about. Well, we can't have church because the screen's not going to work. We freak out if the computer's not working. I'm not kidding. We were freaking out. What are we going to do? I don't know. Maybe God can move even if the computer doesn't. Maybe you all could have church even if you don't have words on a wall. Maybe Maybe we could connect even if we don't put the scriptures on the screen. I love it right now. Some of you are looking like, I don't know. Do I stand up? Do I not stand up? I love it. I'm almost done. Oh, wow. So I'm all for doing it well. I'm all for doing it with excellence, and I believe that we should. But we better, we, better, we better be about his will and his kingdom first. And that's my point. Esther, it's about saving souls. Jesus knew it. It was about saving souls. John figured it out. It was about saving souls. And most of the drama and most of the problems and most of the attitudes that we fight with in the church have nothing to do with the church. You want to know what it is? It's about us protecting us. Esther, you can try to protect you if you want to, but it'll get you too. Until we get an Esther anointing that says, if I perish, oh well, I perish. Until we get a John Baptist anointing that says, I must decrease. Until we get that spirit that says, not my will, above all thy will. We say we want revival, but do we? Really? He does. He does. He does. He wants it. He wants it more. More than than, than appeasing your will or your desires or your. He wants it more. He, he wants you to be saved more than he wants you to be a singer. He wants you to be saved more than he wants you to be a drummer. He wants you to be saved more than he wants you to be a Sunday school teacher. He wants you to be saved more than he wants you to have a position in a church. He wants you to be saved. That's his will. The moment ministry becomes about us, it is no longer ministry. God did not anoint us to glorify us. It's always about S-O-U-L-S, souls. Jesus said in John chapter 13, chapter 12, verse 32, he talks about Moses lifting up that serpent in the wilderness, that brazen serpent, that those that were bitten by the, by the serpents were dying. They looked upon it. They would live. Jesus said, all right, with that imagery in your mind, let me just say this. If I be lifted up from the earth, we've made that about the wrong stuff. That's not talking about worship here. I know we write songs about lifting him up and him drawing it. That's not about, this is, we get it wrong. It's not, it's not what this is about here. There's other scriptures for that, but this isn't the one. He says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. S-O-U-L-S, souls. It doesn't make sense if it isn't about souls. Why be lifted up? He's talking about literally being lifted up on a cross. He's talking, he goes on to, the Bible goes on to say, he's talking about the manner of death that he would die. Not not about us lifting him up in worship. It's about his death. And he says, if I be lifted up on the cross, then I will draw. It is all about souls. And why go to, that's why in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, oh, if there's any other way to win all these souls. But if not, not my will, thy will, because it's all about the souls. It's all about the souls.
Wow. Let's stand together. It doesn't make sense if it isn't about souls. It doesn't make sense to study to teach a Bible study. It doesn't make sense to study to teach a Sunday school class. It doesn't make sense to come, stand back there at a desk and greet people when they come in. Praise the Lord. Glad to have you today. It doesn't make sense to do that. It doesn't make sense to clean the building. It doesn't make sense to practice songs. It doesn't make sense to do anything we do around here if it is not about souls. If it isn't about somebody getting saved from hell and going to heaven, it doesn't make sense. Why do it? Why be lifted up from the earth? If it isn't about souls, why, 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 why come and minister? If it isn't about souls, why put ourselves through this? Because I'm going to tell you, ministry ain't easy. We fight devils, we fight attitudes, and we fight personalities, and we fight little, little fractions and fictions and things that people think and want and desire and all this. And we fight it, we fight it, we fight it. And the higher we go up in the ministry, the more we fight it, and we deal with it all week. We're slaying devils and dealing with people and dealing with that. Why go through all of this? a soul at the end of the day you want to know why preachers get burnt out it's not about stress it's not about people it's they lost touch of the fact that everything we're doing is about souls we started worrying about more more about numbers than we did souls we started worrying about more about our image and how we look than we do souls and you can't do this and stay connected and do it right if it's not about souls You'll burn out, you'll quit, you'll fail, you'll have a moral failure. You'll, you'll just up and leave. You'll just you'll lose your mind. You'll get mad. You'll tell somebody off. You'll do something. But if it's not about souls, you will be burnt out. And you'll get wrong attitudes and you'll get proud and you'll start performing and you'll become too territorial. And the moment it stops being about thy will, it becomes about my will. So we better keep it about his will, not our will. I know we're pretty full in here today, but I sure would like to call us around this altar today to talk to Jesus. Would you bring, and you might be here saying, Brother Hawkins, my will is so dead. I didn't need that sermon today. Well, you just qualified yourself right there. You really do. So I want you to find you a place. Fill this altar up, and then when the altar gets filled, make an altar out there, would you? And would you talk to Jesus today? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord or you're not serving the Lord, I invite you to pray with us as the church gathers around to pray. We're coming right now, church. Come and pray with us. If you repent of your sins, he'll forgive you of your sins. If you'll be baptized in Jesus' name, he'll wash your sins away with his blood. And he'll fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, would you just let your will die today? God, not my will. Lay it down on an altar. Oh, God, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I lay it down. I say, kill it, Lord. Oh, God, I'm going to lay it down on this altar. And I say, kill it. Oh, God, it's all about souls today. I'm reaching for that man on the job, Lord. I'm I'm reaching for that lady at school. I'm I'm reaching for that person on my block. I'm, I'm reaching for my lost loved one. I'm reaching for my family. But, God, don't let my will get in the way. Don't let my will mess it up. Thy will be done.